Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. Tonight, we have three phenomenal voices. It is my privilege to transition between the first one tonight. I want to tell you, she came, their family turned up on the hardest week that we've ever had in church. It was the week that followed uh, one of the young guys who helped launch and set up with us passing away. He had a brain aneurysm and passed away. We had the funeral a couple of days later and we turned up to church. I want to tell you that worship was a wet experience, if you get what I mean. We were in tears and the broken people, but I love God's faithfulness that even in our brokenness and in our pain, He would add phenomenal family to our number. And it's been our privilege to serve with the whole entire aunt family, even as they've grown numerically. Uh, but more encouragingly, every area of Louise's life, I believe that I, we've been able to be witness to seeing grow as she's been able to run our kids' space. And, and at the moment, it's not lost on me that tonight she even oversees our parents' space. I love the fact that the guys speaking tonight are also serving tonight because the heart of a servant is way more important. But it's our privilege tonight to welcome our sister. Why don't you just raise your hands for a second for Louisa. Hello. Good evening. Thanks, guys. Uh, yeah, so we've been here nine years at this uh, space. Well, not quite here. We've been all kinds of places. But um, in this house. And it's been an amazing time. We've had all four of our children here. I think that's about the record for the number of children that people have had since being at Equipers Christchurch. But you're welcome to add to that. Um, so I have one husband, Jonathan, uh, or Johnny, as many of you know him. And we have four awesome children, Josiah, Emily, Gracie, and Benjamin. And Josiah's here with us tonight. Cool. So the other big thing that I do is actually at this school here, I'm curriculum leader for mathematics and statistics. So that involves overseeing a team of 10 people who teach the mathematics and statistics in the school and overseeing some of the year seven and eight as well. And um, yeah, it's great. I get to see about 100 young people in my classroom every day, which is an incredible privilege. Yeah. Anyway, so teaching maths and statistics, I like numbers. So I thought I'd start with some royal numbers. Prince Harry and Meghan's wedding. About two million people worldwide watching. Prince William and Catherine's wedding. 72 million live streams on YouTube. Prince Charles and Lady Diana's wedding. Now, this was in 1981, when I was just a baby. Shows how old I am. Um, there was a television audience of 72 million people. Oh, sorry, 750 million people. Yeah. And Lady Diana's funeral... It was watched by at least 2 billion people worldwide, making it one of the most watched television events of its time, and probably still is one of the most watched. So whether people like it or not, if you're royalty, people notice you. Doesn't matter whether you're good or bad or whether they like you, they'll still notice you, and people notice us. They notice you. The people around you every day, who are they, and what are they noticing in your life? So tonight I want to talk about when the world watches you, what are you known for? So I'm going to share with you about a king who became to be considered one of the greatest kings of the whole Bible. What this king did was incredible, and he has a legacy as a king who turned to the Lord with all his heart 
like no others ever did before. And our eldest son shares the name of this king, Josiah. Do you want to come help us for a minute? So Josiah's got several meanings. Fire of God, healing, and in Hebrew, the Yoshiyahu means supported of God. It's a pretty incredible name to carry. Thanks, Josiah. <laughs> so just a quick bit of history. Israel has 12 tribes, or had 12 tribes. So when King David was the king, there were 12 tribes. And later on, when his grandson was the king, 10 of those tribes broke away, and only two stayed loyal to the Davidic rule. And this was the tribe of Judah and of Benjamin, which is our youngest son. So those two tribes became known as the southern kingdom of Judah. And it's the southern kingdom of Judah that Josiah was the king of from about 640 BC. He's a very special king because he became king when he was eight years old. Incidentally, 11 days more, and this is an eight-year-old. Now, have a think about an eight-year-old. They're getting to the point where they're like the kind of big kids. They're starting to develop the ability to concentrate for longer periods of time. They can do more things for themselves, but they still need some guidance and reminders like brush your teeth. Have you put your lunchbox in your bag? Imagine an eight-year-old being the king. Thanks, Josiah. You can go down now if you want. <laughs> yeah, thanks. However, Josiah was not special just for being young. Let's have that first scripture, 2 Kings 22, 1 to 2. So Josiah was eight years old when he became king. He reigned in Jerusalem for 31 years. His mother's name was Jedidah, daughter of Adiah. She was from Bozgath. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father David not turning aside to the right or to the left. He was a special king because of how he stood in radical obedience to God. Now, Josiah was born into a time where there was idolatry, evil, wickedness. His dad was bad. Now, this Josiah's dad is not bad, okay? <laughs> well, I think so anyway. <laughs> anyway, but he had a bad grandfather and a bad father, and the whole world around him, there was evil, there was idolatry, there was wickedness. So he came into this kind of horrible world and Josiah chose instead to do what he knew was right, despite his messed up family and despite all of the evil around him. So let's look at some of the stuff he actually did and this is our second scripture. So 2 Chronicles 34.3 says, in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father David. In his twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of high places, Asherah poles and idols. Just leave that scripture up there. The eighth year of his reign. He was eight, math teacher, 16. He was 16. Um, so let's think of a 16-year-old. Now as a high school teacher, I see quite a few of these. Do we have any here? I'm not going to make you come up. Awesome. 16-year-old. Well done. <laughs> okay. They're almost adults. They think they're invincible. They might stay up to the early hours of the morning, might be taking on new responsibilities like getting a job or driving a car. They're possibly hormonal, maybe rebellious, and convinced they know everything. 
But at 16, Josiah began seeking God. And in the 12th year of his reign, he was 20. So at 20, he began to lead the nation in purging. Now, purging means getting rid of and removing. Getting rid of all the idols, the altars, and the places uh, where any other God than the one true God was honored. So this was part of the fulfillment of an earlier prophecy. So let's just have a quick look at that prophecy. By the word of the Lord, a man of God came from Judah to Bethel, as Jeroboam was standing by the altar to make an offering. By the word of the Lord, he cried out against the altar. Now, this was a bad altar honoring another God. Altar, altar, this is what the Lord says. A son named Josiah will be born to the house of David. On you, he will sacrifice the priests of the high places who make offerings here and human bones will be burned on you. So that was foretelling Josiah getting rid of all the altars, all the evil things and putting God at the first place. Other things he did. He listened to and obeyed the law of Moses. He collected money for the repairs of the temple. He instituted major reforms, which included reintroducing the Passover feast, and that hadn't happened for a long time. He's also credited, credited as having established and compiled important Hebrew scriptures during this time, which are likely to be part of the first five books of the Bible that we read now. And he's also one of the kings that's mentioned in Jesus' genealogy, and that's in the book of Matthew, so he's an ancestor of Jesus. But one of the most significant things that happened in the time of Josiah was that the book of the law was discovered. So when they were restoring the temple, this book of the law was found. Now, they don't know why it had gone missing, or perhaps it had been hidden by the evildoers, but it was found, and it wasn't just any book. It was incredibly significant to the Hebrew people. And again, this is likely to be part of the story of Moses and the law given to Moses that's in Deuteronomy um, in the Bible that we have. So um, it was such an important book that it was described by the, uh, the priests as the jewel of inestimable value or the richest jewel of the king's crown. Now, when this was found, Hilkiah the priest said, we need to take this book to Josiah. We need to read it to him. Josiah walks in the ways of David, his father, and he will love the book of the law, and it will be his delight and counsel. See, Josiah was watched. People knew him. They knew what he was like, and they knew that he would respond to this book. And what was his response when hearing the book of the law read? People were watching, and this was his response. When the, book, when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. He was so overcome that he wept. And he humbled himself. He wept in the presence of the Lord. Josiah was grieved. His nation was not obeying the Lord's commands. And he was also concerned about the coming destruction for his people. Can you imagine that? The Bible being read and the king tearing their robes and just weeping. And when was the last time the word of God was read? Or you read the word of God and it had the impact on you? Josiah then sent for a prophet. He wanted to inquire of the Lord about what to do because of all this forecasting of what's going to happen to his nation. He sent to Hulda, a prophetess, and her message from the Lord confirmed that God was indeed going to bring disaster on the land and on the people. But God said that he would give Josiah peace during his reign 
because he had a responsive heart. When he heard the word of the Lord read to him, so this is a scripture about that. Because your heart was responsive and you've humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I have spoken against this place and its people, that they would become a curse and be laid waste. And because you tore your robes and wept in my presence, I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, I will gather you to your ancestors and you will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster I'm going to bring on this place. So they took her answer back to the king. Josiah's response touched God's heart. So Josiah was a pretty incredible man. Bad father, bad grandfather who led the people away from God. Yet he sought God with all his heart, humbled himself before the Lord and stood firm. He stood firm and chose to follow God in all his ways. He tore down the roots of idolatry out of Judah at 16. 16 16-year-olds, you can do this stuff. He faithfully followed God's commands just as he had pledged to do. He zealously pursued obedience to God. When he turned in radical obedience, he was told that he would be spared from the great destruction. Now, my thought with that is, when we turn to God in radical obedience, when we give our lives to Him, He spares us from eternal destruction. It's amazing. He rediscovered the Word of God and he chose to respond to the Word of God wholeheartedly. King Josiah did all this with people watching. There were those that wanted him to follow his dad's evil ways. And then there was Hilkiah, the priest, and others who wanted to help him become the man of God who followed the book of the law and followed God. There were also some other significant young men of the Bible, and I didn't know this, but apparently Daniel and his friends who later went into Babylon, do you remember Daniel who got thrown into the lion's den? Apparently they were born in the time of Josiah's reign. And they would have watched Josiah. They were just a little bit younger than him. So when they went into Babylon, they could make a stand and they could say, no, we will follow the Lord our God. We will follow him. We're not going to worship the king. We're going to worship the king of kings. They saw something when they saw their king, when they saw that leader, when they saw that man of God, when he stood firm in the promises of God, they were able to go into Babylon and stand firm in the promises of God themselves. Here lies the challenge for us. The world watches royalty. Who are you when the world's watching you? Who watches you? Workmates? Family? Friends? Who are you when so many around you, even your family, don't follow the ways of the Lord? Let's just look at the message quickly before we finish. There was no king to compare with Josiah neither before nor after a king who turned in total and repentant obedience to God, heart and mind and strength, following the instructions revealed to and written by Moses, the world will never again see a king like Josiah. What a legacy. Who will pursue radical obedience to God? Will you? Will you choose to not walk right or left, but stand firm, no matter what the pressures in the world around you or how crazy your family is? You see, one thing this week, we start a fast. Will you seek God during the fast? Will you allow yourself to be challenged by His Word? And will you pursue obedience no matter what? You're being watched. That was awesome. 
Powerful, powerful. I love the fact that God's always watching us. He rewards us for what's seen and unseen. Which is a beautiful transition, actually, because the next man we get to introduce is often unseen because he runs our team and the tech team at the back. And it's been our privilege for the last, I think, two and a half years, if I've got this right, uh, to have him and his wife in our house, part of our family. What some of you will know and some of you won't is that his other half tonight opened as one of the two Shannons. And that's an incredibly exhausting act, just for the record, having my first exposure to a kilt ever. It was a new moment. Praise the God. Um, but we love uh, what God is doing in Matt Aldridge's life uh, in, in, in and outside of this house and in this space. And it's our privilege to have stolen, inherited is a better word as a Christian, inherited him from Dunedin. I want you to welcome to the stage my friend Matt Aldridge. How are we doing? How are you, church? Hey, it's such a privilege to come and speak to you tonight. Um, I know we say that a lot, but it is. And more importantly, it's a privilege to be you know, part of this amazing, amazing house. Got you, brother. Awesome. I actually want to talk to you guys about family tonight. And I think it's, um, you know, um, what Louise has already said is, is absolutely amazing. And, and there's definitely going to be a bit of crossover tonight. Um, but I want to talk to you tonight about the royal family. Not that royal family. I know what you're thinking. Put that out of your mind. I want to talk about the royal family in this room. I want to talk about you. Because you are significant. You have huge potential. You have a part to play. And God actually says you are royalty. It's pretty crazy, I know. But just stick with me. And hopefully you'll believe me or God as I read the scripture to you tonight. So, um... Just a bit about me, so thank you, Nick. Um, absolutely, yes, I have been here for two and a half years, and it, like I said, it's a privilege, and um, it was, you know, a big step for me to, to um, come up from Dunedin to here. Thank you, lovely wife, for the push. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, a, it's absolutely amazing to be here in Christchurch. I love this city. It's a great city. I think there's huge potential here. Um, so I was brought up in a, quite a large family, so there's seven of us, um, and I've got four sisters, and everybody said... Mixed, mixed response there. Um, it's actually really awesome having lots of sisters. You get your own room. Uh, you get, you know, all the privileges that a only guy has. I wasn't the oldest, but I kind of got the privileges without the responsibility. You know how it is. It was great. Um, but, yeah, so the thing is I, I love family, and family is a really significant part of my life. And I wanted to talk about this partly to honor my family, but also to honor you and to honor um, how God has adopted me into his family tonight. Because um, tonight is about really let's honor God and let's honor what's gone before us. And let's actually take a moment and pause and go, how did I get here? Right? Cool? Sweet. Okay, so, um, so when I moved up here, um, I um, got the absolute privilege. So I was actually engaged at the time. Um, and we we're about to get married, and it was really, you know, that season, everything's lovey-dovey, and it's, you know, it's, oh, it's so special, we're preparing a wedding. And I got to move up here and live with my, um, with my um, future mother and father-in-law for six months. 
I really like gauging your response on these things. It really tells a lot, eh? Like, um, but actually, it was a really amazing time. Shannon's got an amazing family. And thank you, Peter and Terrell, for um, hosting us and for looking after us. We really love you guys. Um, and thank you for being here tonight. I'm sure you enjoyed the dancing. And I hope you're enjoying me talking. Um, anyway. Um, so one thing I learned during this time, and I learned many things while I was living with him. Don't, don't worry. I learned plenty. I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about them. I learned a lot about not taking myself too seriously. All that fun stuff. But the main thing I learned is that family comes first. Actually, family is really significant, yeah? Um, and so I want you to um, do this. What I want you to do is I want you to turn to the next person, the person next to you, and I want you to sing to them. We are family. Ow! Come on, everybody, and sing. Come on, sing to them. We are I think you're catching it. Come on, everybody, and sing. Yeah, I don't know the rest of the lyrics. Cool. Do you get it? We are family, okay? So if we look at the um, first scripture, Romans 8.16, we've got it somewhere there. Um, it says this, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. How great is it that God has actually adopted us into his family? Yeah? Cool. So if you're taking notes, get out your device, get out your notepad, whatever you're doing tonight. Um, the title of this message tonight is Two Things the Royal Family Understand. So I said I was going to talk about the royal family. And there'll be a little bit of crossover with the, that royal family. But there's two things that we need to understand in being part of this family that God's adopted us into. The first one is this, and every royal understands this. The crown is heavier than it looks. Write that down. The crown is heavier than it looks. How many know that we, wanna, we are a crown, right? We want to, in life, we want to succeed. We want success. Right? We want all those things attached with success. Yeah, we live in a successful city. We live in a successful society that knows what it is to wear a crown, right? I mean, that crown might be, look like a big flat screen TV. It might look like a, an Audi. It might look like a good job. It could look like some dope clothes. Whatever. Whatever is your thing, right? Am I talking to the... You hearing me there? Cool. But here's the thing, that crown that you, that you think, if you think in your head, what does success look like for me? What does responsibility, what does privilege look like for me? That carries a weight to it, yeah? And it's a weight that, you know, be careful what you ask for. Turn to the person next to you and just tell them, be careful what you ask for. See, because like Louise said, royals understand that people are watching, Right? They understand that they represent something that's actually bigger than themselves. How many know that if a royal, you know, um, just decided, you know what, I'm not really going to dress up for the royal wedding, I'm just going to wear some stubbies, maybe a singlet to the wedding. How many know that the media would have a ball with that? But how many know that that wouldn't happen? Why wouldn't it happen? Because they understand they represent the crown, right? They understand that they represent the sovereign. Okay, so anything that any decision they make reflects on the crown. Simple, right? 
the reality, like Louise talked about, is exactly the same with us. Right? Anything that we do actually reflects on God. Yeah? So the thing I want to ask you tonight is, what is the crown God that God has for you to wear? Maybe you're already wearing it. Maybe you're wearing a, a beginner crown, and then you're going to graduate at some point. I'm not sure. But what is the crown that God has for you to wear? So actually think for a minute. What is that crown? Maybe some homework to do. I don't know. But um, let me tell you a little bit from my life. So um, when I came up here, I got a job at Spark. Who's with Spark? Okay, if you're not with Spark, I'll sign you up. Um, come talk to me afterward. But don't, don't bring me tech problems, though. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and actually, about a year ago, I was blessed to receive a promotion at work. Now, um, most people go, oh, yeah, promotion, that's awesome. You know, how many like the sound of a promotion? Sound good? Okay, the rest of you are crazy. Um, but maybe actually smart. Because what I want to tell you is, you know, when I went on this journey with getting this promotion, right, when I first went into it, I thought, hey, you know, I'm going to live the high life now. My pay is going to go through the roof. I'm just going to be able to, you know, I'm not going to have to do any work anymore. I'll just be awesome, right? Reality is a little bit different to that. Because the reality is, when we step into leadership, when we step into the responsibility that God's got on us, on our life, there is actually a level of weight that that carries. Um, so, my question to you around that is, um, what kind of glory does a king like Jesus share with us? Right? If, it, if this God, if Jesus decides he's going to actually share his glory... What does that actually look like? And what is the, what is the weight that, that kind of goes with that, what's it, that's attached to that? In Matthew 11, in verse 28, it says, Come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The amazing thing about God is he has these incredible responsibilities, gifts, leadership, um, success, all of these things he has actually for us. And actually, it's not like success or uh, God. It's actually attached, right? Actually pursuing God on that journey, we will find success. Because how many know that even if you're not a Christian, if you apply big biblical principles, you will actually see a return on investment, right? It's simple. That's how it works. But the thing is that there are so many people in this world that feel stressed every single day. They feel stressed because the weight that they carry weighs on them. It's a weight that they carry sometimes often alone. One thing that can help is obviously other people in their life, but Jesus actually designed us to not be able to carry that weight. Some of you didn't hear me right. Let me say that again. Jesus didn't actually design you to carry that weight. So he, he designed you for success in that, you know, to carry that weight in a way, right? But he designed you to actually need him. And that's what this verse means, right? We cast our cares upon God. His yoke is easy, his burden is light. Cool. The second thing that, people, uh, that um, the royal family believe, uh, understand is that people are everything. People are everything, right? true responsibility, people. The royal family, they're ultimately leaders, right? But they've been given, or they've inherited this responsibility, right? And they've laid down all other paths of life to serve, to serve their country, right? It's a duty, yeah? 
I think it's an amazing picture of what servant leadership is. It's not just about um, what you do with the small things, right? It's about the weight that you actually carry on behalf of many. So in Luke 22, verse 42, Jesus showed us a really amazing picture of this. When he said this to God, he was praying. You know, this is just before he was about to go to the cross. It was a huge weight that was bearing on him. And what did he do? He exercised this principle. He went to God and he said, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. You know, he understood there was a duty to do. There was a job to do. He understood that that was his destiny, that he had actually been called to, to go to the cross for our sins. And it's an unbelievable picture. You know, so why did Jesus believe so much in this mission that he was willing to go through this? What do you think he did? I think he believed in it because he believes in us. Actually, he values us more than anything else. He values you. Poke the person next to you and say, he values you. <laughs> awesome. So just to finish off, um, in the Great Commission, in Matthew 28, verse 16 to 20, um, it says this, Then the, the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountains where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw them, saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In John 13, 34, it says this, uh, in verse 12, it says this, um, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. So I guess what I want to land on tonight is, what does that look like in your life? Simple question, profound question. What does it look like to lay down your life for a friend? I'll leave it with, that with you. That was great. Woo. We're going to be weightlifters at the end of this. Either that or really patient because we're good at waiting. Finally tonight, um, I just want to tell you that the man I'm about to introduce has so many admirable characteristics. I wish I had his beard. I wish I could play drums like him. I'm pretty sure there's nothing that's legal that can bring more joy to a grown man than to be able to play drums even if you can't. It's a great thing. Uh, but it's a real privilege for us to have run for a while. They've pit stop here on the way again, also inherited, that's a good word, eh, from Dunedin. Um, and we know that um, the, there's a season coming where they'll be calling, called to Nelson. I hope that's right to tell everyone. Does, does everyone know? It's a bit late now. We'll just go. We're just going to go there. Yeah, we're, we're there now anyway. So... Um, for the time that we have left, with, I think we've had you here for a year and a half. Yeah. And Roy is one of those people that it doesn't really matter, like all of the guys tonight, where it is at that position. They just want to serve. Um, so he puts preference uh, to the side and just filled where there was need. And so we've been incredibly blessed with our new people and our hosting team and just the welcome of this church for them, him and his wife Sophie, to steer that. And they steer it so well because that's who they are because they care about our family, which was a beautiful segue from Matt's message. Why don't you make some noise for Roy?
Cheers, team. Hold on, I'm just going to do the old, like, one-handed. Yeah, 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 good. And ready? Behind door number one. Hidden, like, planted iPad. So organized. Sweet. Hey, team, how are we doing? Yeah, good. I know I've like, already been asked that, like, twice already. Um, but if you don't know me, my name is Roy. I am uh, often cooped up behind the little cage back there. But I, uh, I've been actually like, allowed forward today uh, to escape my restraints. Um, so, so my wife Sophie and I, uh, who's an absolute champion, by the way, like Nick said, have been here for the last year and a half. I, I feel like we've, uh, we've been around a lot longer than that because we've actually been a, a, a part of the family for uh, coming up nine years now, uh, if you include the time that we're in Dunedin. So, so we fam, for, for real. Um, it's, it's honestly such, such a privilege to, to be up here. I don't take lightly the fact that they have released me for a time. Um, so before we go any further, can we, can we just pray real quick? Uh, Holy Spirit... You know as well as I do, better than I do, that if it's my words tonight, we're all stuffed. Jesus, would you come and take my words, make them yours, speak to the heart of your people tonight. And Father, please remember that 10 minutes is not a lot of time for me to do anything. Stall time in your name, Jesus. Amen. Just being real, if, if any of you here know me, uh, like at all, you'll understand that like 10 minutes is about how long it takes me to say like, hi, my name's Roy. Um, if you want me to ask how you're going, we're up to 12. Um, so we, we, we moved up here so that I could study my master's in audiology. So if you want to chat about ears anytime, I genuinely find it cool. Um, but anyways, we'll, we'll jump straight into it because obviously time is of the essence. So we're going to continue with the theme of royalty, which incidentally begins with Roy. Um, how, how many people here w- watched the royal wedding recently? Yeah, like quite a bunch. How many people are, are like really into the whole royal thing? Like I know they're people. Yeah, yeah. Um, like like any, anyone dress up for the? Yeah, no, that's my wife. <laughs> They did that in the hospital, um, where she works, by the way. Not. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you're putting me off my thing. You want to throw an event for it? I like put it on with friends and things. Nah, good. All right. Anyways, I'm I'm kind of like fifty-fifty on the whole the whole royals thing like like there's an aspect where, of it where I'm kind of like well like we, we have a governance system it's called like the government um do, do we need the monarchy on on top of that and there's another aspect of it where actually it's super cool yes yeah, that's that's old school like back, back in the day if if your dad was a blacksmith your last name was gonna be smith and you would grow up to be a blacksmith if if your parents were bakers then you would grow up to be a Baker, and your last name would probably be Baker. If you're like little Prince George, you're kind of like, well, uh, I guess my family's like trade is uh, 
well, like I'm going to be king, you know, I just got to uh, kind of, you know, just accept my, my family's role in society. And, and it's kind of old school, but I, I enjoy the aspect of it, that aspect of it. Um, but how many people here have, have at some point thought to themselves, regardless of what your perspective is on royalty, like, it, it'd be kind of cool though, eh? Yeah, like, 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 like what, what, watching, you know, Megan or, or Kate, you know, marry into the family and be like, shoot, how cool would that be, though? <laughs> you know, it'd be, it'd be pretty sweet. Uh, and, and the reason is, is, is that what, what we see is essentially people making life easy for the royal. You know, like what, what, what they want done happens they they get to wear cool clothes they get to have their paths made straight for them what they ask is done and life is made simpler for them and so we look at that and go like that would be pretty great um check this out though i uh i i read about this guy recently super cool dude um he's he's got a book out uh, which i would highly highly recommend reading uh it's it's called the bible and uh, his name is Jesus. And he, he had this, this super fresh take on what royalty actually looks like, the way that he sees it, the way that God sees it. And so I want, I want to have a quick peek at that. Because see, Jesus' version is not to be served, to have my life made easier for me, but it's actually to serve others. It's last will be first, first will be last Give and it will be given unto you. Bless and you will be blessed. I think that's super cool. Jesus' version is to serve others. Can we can we get the old first scripture up on the thing? Yeah, check that out. So so this is this is Last Supper team. Uh, just just for some historical context. So this is Luke's account of it. A dispute arose uh, among them. The disciples were talking about as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors, but you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves is it not the one who is at the table? And yet I, as in Jesus, am among you as one who serves. Here I am, King of kings, Lord of lords, sovereign. And yet what's my take on it? I'm coming under you. I'm serving. If you check out John 13, 12 to 17, next one. So this is essentially like John's take on, on the same night. Uh, this is still still the the Last Supper meal. So this is where where he's, he's washing the feet. I love thought of Jesus, you know, like. and and then just goes and said to him like, "Do you understand what I've done for you, Jesus? You like, cleaned my toes, <laughs> real good, open-toed footwear." He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. 
Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor the messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, catch this, you will be blessed if you do them. So it's like he's saying, like, again, yes, I'm your teacher. Yes, I'm your Lord. Yes, I'm your king. Yes, I am royalty. And this is how I show it, by serving, by coming under. Maybe, in our case, not like literally washing each other's feet, but historical context, that was like super significant because, again, open-toed footwear in the desert. Um, essentially, though, your concept of, of honor, your concept of royalty, has actually like just been flipped on its head. Check out verse 17 again. If, nah, never mind. I've got it on here anyway. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. The, the hard thing always in, in serving and in giving and in putting others first is it's not very natural for us as humans. It's, it's not what we do. Our, our natural response is to, to hoard, to, oh, there it is, look at that, is, is to, to put ourselves first, to put ourselves up top. And, and it's scary to give of ourselves because we feel like we're going to lose out. But here's the promise. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. If you put others first, you will never end up second. Catch that. This, like, the crazy thing is, I, I've tried this. And, I, and I, I actually live this. And in my own life, I've found it to be true. If I put others first... God has my back. If I put me first, I have my back. So, so, so the question is, who do you want to have your back? Because like, I know how much of a mess I am. I, I know how, how broken and, and, and wrong I am, more than any of you guys do, fortunately. And I, I know beyond any shadow of a doubt that I'm not the guy I want having my back. Like, like if, if it's a choice between broken me and, and the creator of the universe, the, the all-powerful, all-sovereign, all-glorious creator, sovereign king of the universe, like that's not even a 50-50. That's, that's not even a roll of the dice. But I, I really did feel in, uh, even in worshiping God uh, earlier on during the service, that, that someone actually needs to, to catch that here. That, that to give of yourself is, is never going to wind up with you coming second. To, to, to actually come under others, to give, to be generous, to, to serve others, is, is never going to mean that you lose out. That's not in God's character. God's character cannot allow him to go, thank you so much for giving to your, your brother or sister or whoever. I mean, like, you're stuffed now. Sorry. You know, but thanks. Anyway, God's character can't allow that. It, it, it doesn't work as a, as a good, good father. His, his is, okay, you've given. 
I will give to you. I will replenish. I will exalt. I will make it work for you. That's a promise. So here's the deal. Because I know that like the, the keys are playing and that's time. If you want to see things shift up a gear in your walk with God, though, this is for real. If you want to see things shift up a gear in your walk for God, see them shift up in how you serve one another. See them shift up in how you serve your neighbor, love your neighbor, give to your neighbor, love God and love people. That's, that's who we are. Matt, Matt nailed it. Like we, we are royalty. We're called to be royalty. We're grafted into it. But, but if we're going to live it out, it's, it's giving, all right? It's serving. And if you're looking for a place to do that, awesome. If you've got your own space in life at work or whatever you're involved in, cool. Serve. Do that to the best of the ability. Let us know as a church how we can support you in doing that. But if you don't, church is like a pretty good place to start. Hosting team would love to have you. For real. For real. But seriously, it's, it's the change. It's, it's the, the defining feature of stepping into who we're called to be as God's sons and daughters. All right? Bless you, team. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.